Hello, everybody. Greetings and welcome to The Grio with Debbie. I hope everyone is doing well, taking care of themselves, and not being affected by this coronavirus that's going around. This is my second episode of The Grio, and I will be talking about various topics as we go along. So I hope you'll tune in. Now, I know some of you are probably wondering, what does the word griot mean? Good question. I hope you were wondering that because when I chose this title for my podcast, I wanted it to be catchy. I wanted it to be something that would make you, you know, think and wonder, like, what is this? To draw your attention. Well, actually, uh, what happened was I was thinking long and hard about what I would call my podcast. And and since it was going to be about me talking about various topics, um, I began to ponder, like, you know, what would be a good word for talking? And I thought about the word rap. It's back in the 60s and 70s when I was in college and, and a young married woman and beginning to raise my family, I, um, that word rap was such a big word and it, you know, we had the original rap group, um, of the Sugar Hill Gang, but we also used rap as a means of talking. We would hear the guys say to the girls, hey, you know, hey baby, can I rap to you? Or, hey baby, come over here, let me rap to you. Or we would be in the dormitory in somebody's dorm room and saying things like, you know, let's have a rap session. So rap really meant originally to talk. And the first rap group, that's what they were doing. They were talking about some stuff. And they didn't have very much music in the background, but they talked. So then I started to investigate and I wanted to find out what, you know, where did this come from? What was the origin of the word rap? And in my investigation, surprisingly, I found out that it actually started in the western part of Africa. Um, the word griot is a French word, and I, it was particularly found in, uh, used in the African countries um, like Cameroon and other ones that were French-speaking. Griot means a member of a class of traveling poets, musicians, and storytellers who maintained the tradition of oral history in parts of West Africa. They didn't write things down or record things, and so they had these people called griots who would go around from one tribe to another and keep them informed about their history, and, uh, and it was done orally. It was not written down. It was not recorded. And I was even more excited when I found this out, being an African-American woman, that this rap thing started from the griots. So I wanted to use this as the title of my podcast because I will be rapping or talking to you about different topics. So today I wanted to um, read to you and discuss my uh, one of my first pieces in my book. My book is called From Weeds to Wisdom and it's written by me, Deborah Ruth Reeves. You can find it on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles and you can order it. It was originally published in 2011 and it was republished again in 2017 under a different cover. 
The book is bigger than the original. It's not as colorful as the original, but it does um, have a, a different cover. And um, all of the pieces in there, they're all devotional pieces. These pieces are all um, the same. I didn't add anything to it. The only thing that's different about the newer edition is that it has a table of contents, which I like. Um, so you can look up the different pieces when you're when you want to refer to them or talk to somebody about them. You can find your way through it. The original didn't have that table of contents. The first piece in here is dear to my heart, and it's called Weed Lessons. And um, you know, when I tell people this, a lot of times they feel like, well, you know, weeds. We don't like weeds. We despise them. They are. You know, things that come in our yard and make our yard ugly and they take all the nutrients from the, 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 the plants and the trees and whatnot. And so, you know, how can you possibly learn a lesson from a weed? But really, there are some really good lessons we can learn. And especially in the times we're living in right now, when we're under so much stress and so many things are going on and so many things are uncertain. And so I would like to read this lesson and I would like to discuss a little more in detail what I was trying to say with this particular devotional piece. So here it is, Weed Lessons. The scripture is Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The summer of 1999 was a memorable one, at least for some parts of the East Coast. It was a summer of absolute dryness accompanied with extremely high temperatures and hideous brown lawns a season of drought. Often, as I walked up the driveway from my car, I marveled at how both the grass and the weeds responded quite differently to the very same adversity. The only green things to be found on my lawn were the weeds. It was interesting to see that the weeds actually seemed to defy the, the adverse weather conditions and continue to thrive in spite of them. Daily, I found myself amazed at what I had observed, and it was as if God was drawing me to himself through these weeds to teach me a new lesson. I gradually began to see a wonderful spiritual parallel of this phenomenon. Even though we may suffer various trials in our lives, we can make the choice to defy them, to remain green, and to become even greener. Our adverse circumstances do not have to cause our demise. On the contrary, they can cause us to develop long roots that go down deep into the soil of our trials and produce life, not ordinary life, but life that is abundant and rich. Our hardships can work to aid us in developing tough skin for tough times. I remembered that while the grass and flowers were delicate and would vanish away tomorrow, the weeds were divinely designed to be rugged tenacious, enduring, and defiant. The weeds were actually glorifying the Creator as they refused to give in. 
Likewise, are we not called to be heavy duty in our Christian walk? Doesn't Paul encourage us to run the race with perseverance and not to throw away our confidence or strength back? What an encouraging lesson we can extract from such an insignificant and despised thing as a weed. So take heart, saints, for it is never about the weather conditions, but all about the choice to glorify our God by fixing our eyes on Him as we stand in times like this. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, I marvel at how you reveal such deep spiritual truths to us through the ordinary things of life. Thank you for giving us eyes to see and hearts to learn from your creation. Give us daily strength and wisdom to become like the weeds, refusing to allow our adverse circumstances to dry us up. Instead, help us to be the only green things found on the landscape of your world. May may we never faint or fear when the drought of our lives begins to set in. Amen. With this piece that was written back in 2000-2001, it's interesting how God is using it today in the times that we're in today. There's a song that says, In times like these, we need a Savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. And it says, be very sure, be very sure that you have that anchor in times like me, that, like these. So there's a lot of fear about the, um, the virus that's going around. And even before the virus came on the scenes, there have been a lot of um, frightening things going on in our country from our leadership, our government, and so forth. And I've had a few friends that have sent me private messages saying how they were worried and they were fearful. And, you know, I tried to encourage them with scriptures like Isaiah 41.10 that says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will strengthen you with my righteous right hand. And there's another scripture that says, In you know, um, what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. And of course, Second Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then there's a scripture in um, Psalm 31 that says, my times are in your hands. And that means that, you know, we're not going anywhere until God says so. We are immortal until God decides that we have fulfilled the purpose for why he created us. So every person is immortal until that time. And the Bible does teach us that when our time is up, when our purpose has been fulfilled, that we, you know, then God will call us home. I know that there are a lot of fearful things, but there were fearful things before this virus. There were problems with the economy before. There are people who couldn't work. There there are a lot of homeless people out there. There's a lot of mass murders and people are fearful of going out into public places or even the children going to school for fear that there could be another mass murder. Um, there are all kinds of things to be afraid of. There's all kinds of violence and crime. And we don't think about the fact that, you know, <clears throat> 
when we get into an airplane and fly that we're more at risk of dying or have being in an accident than, than we are in a car. Uh, we don't think about every day we get in our cars and drive somewhere and it's a miracle that there aren't more accidents than there are. Or we go out and, uh, you know, we could be sitting in a place like getting our nails done or in a barber shop or some other place and somebody could come in and shoot people and we could be among those. We don't think about those things, but now we're thinking about our mortality as we see this virus hitting different people. Well, as I said in my first podcast, the one called, Is Anybody Listening? I said that God didn't bring these, this disease or these disasters, but he can use them and he will use them to get our attention. Um, even now, with, uh, the, with there being viruses, I believe in all 50 states, this coronavirus is present in all 50 states. People are still not getting the message. They're not realizing that God is speaking to us. He wants us to repent. He wants us to turn from our wicked ways. He wants us to, to know that no human being can do anything about these things that are going on. Nobody can do it. And he's the only answer. He's the only solution we have to these problems. And there are still people who don't get this. They don't understand this. Some of them don't believe there is a true God. Some people don't, you know, look that deeply into all of this. They just see it happening. And maybe they're questioning God and saying, why are you letting this happen? Why are you doing this? But they don't look at the fact that he has the key. He has the key to all of these problems. And he already told us in 2 Chronicles um, 7, 13 and 14, you know, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. And then he said, if, this conditional, then I, he said, then I will hear them from heaven and will forgive them of their sins and will heal their land. That's the only way we're going to see some changes and not only this virus, but the mass killings and all the hatred, uh, the crimes and things that are going on, all the corruption in the government and everywhere else, we're not going to see change until we make changes in our lives and turn to the one who can do something about it. But God has, um, like those weeds that I talked about in this piece, the only reason those weeds could survive in a drought and I saw it with my own eyes in 1999, is for those weeds to have long root systems. And I know many times when I'm weeding my flower bed, I can pull a weed. I can struggle with some weeds. They're really, really tough to get out. And some I haven't been able to get out. I had to cut them, but I knew I hadn't gotten to the root. However, there are some that I did get to the root, but the root systems were so long, they... They, I pulled them through a large part of my yard t- to get them out. And that's why they were, that's why they were able to thrive. That's why they were green. And the only green thing on our lawns when all the, the grass and everything else, the flowers were drying up and dying. They had a, a long root system, a deep root system. Now, that's what we have to have. And that's not something that comes overnight. You know, before all the pandemics 
and all the other things come on the on the horizon before all the sinful behavior and the corruption comes on the horizon we have to turn already be working on our relationship with the lord we need to be practicing quietness for one thing and i have been trying to do that for many years finding a special place in my house i call a prayer closet going in there and abiding in the lord talking to him asking him questions, having our Bibles open, um, reading the scripture and asking questions. We have phones, we can, or iPads, we, computers, we can go on there and, and, and Google questions we have to help us better understand the scriptures. I do it on and off. I do it a lot when it's something that I want to get into deeper to really find more of a deeper meaning and understanding. I go to hear what commentaries are saying, incredible commentaries. Um, we need to be quiet sometimes in our prayer closet and let the Lord talk to us to say things, to reveal things to us that he wants us to hear. We need to turn off that TV. We need to get off our um, phones and our computers and iPads. I'm not saying totally get off, but we need to spend more time with the Lord than we do with those items. And I have to be careful I have had a strong relationship with the Lord over the years, and I do believe in spending time with him where I shut the door and go in there and close out the world while I have my time with him. I never know what's going to happen when I go in the prayer closet. I never know where God's going to take me in reading the scripture. I never know what questions I'm going to have for him. I never know what he's going to say to me, but I know that when I come out, I will have learned something and I will have grown in some area spiritually. Um, We need to do that. And we need to have been practicing that. If you don't do it now, you need to get out. You need to start doing that now. You need to take time from whatever it is that you do that you think is so important. And you need to say, I'm going to take 15 minutes. Start with 15 minutes and go be quiet or go get your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, go buy one. You should have one because the Bible has already prophesied, foretold all the stuff that we are already in in this world right now. And I would say run to God. Run to Him because when all is said and done, Nothing's going to matter. It's not going to, your job's not going to matter. Your career is not going to matter. Your um, bank account is not going to, uh, to matter. Your stocks, you see what's going on with that. That's not going to matter. Um, nothing is going to matter. Your house, whatever you own, whatever you think, all the degrees you may have behind your name, that, and all the knowledge that you may have, none of that's going to matter. When it gets down to the nitty-gritty, it's going to be, do you know the Lord? And because I do know him and I have had a, a long history of knowing him and, and still knowing him, still growing in him, still learning. I haven't arrived. I will never arrive in this life that I have. God always ha- he's inexhaustible. He has more and more things he can teach us about life, about our lives. And the book of Proverbs is full of wisdom. And I, am, I beg you, I implore you, get God's wisdom. Get it. And his discernment. You're going to need it. He told us many times before he left this earth. Jesus did. He said, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. 
And there's a lot of deception going on in the world today. And there are a lot of people who can't discern that because they don't know the Lord or they don't know him intimately. So if you do that and you practice this with the Lord every day, several times a day even, especially now that just a lot of us are can't do much, I you will build a strong relationship with the Lord that you'll have those long roots like the weeds. And people will look at you like I looked at those weeds and they'll say, How are you how are you thriving? Why are you so positive? Why are you so up? And why aren't you panicking and being upset? Why aren't you running to the store to buy the stores up and buy all this toilet paper and all these things and stuff? Why are you just calm? And then you can say to them, because like a weed, I have long roots that go deep down into the Lord himself. And he is my calm and my times are in his hands. And you can tell them, Philippians 4.19 says, you know, because I know the Lord and I abide in him, that he will supply all, not some, but all of my needs according to his riches in glory. And that's a lot. You will have no lack and no want. And a beautiful part of having that intimate relationship with the Lord is the Bible says, he hears the prayers of the righteous. And if you are in Christ, you are righteous. So you can ask him to heal our land, to heal this disease. You can ask him things and like, and he will answer you. He will hear you rather. He will hear your prayer. So I hope that this wee lesson that you learned today will cause you to be different, will cause you to be calm and not, not anxious or worrisome. And it will cause you to run, not walk, but run to a place in your house where you can be alone with the Lord. And so until next time, uh, this, is, this is Debbie, the Griot with Debbie. And I thank you for listening. And I pray that this episode and all future episodes will bless you and encourage you. It is my desire to do a weekly um, episode, but who knows? If the Lord tells me, I'll do one more frequently than once a week. I have a lot of material to share with you, and I hope you will be blessed by that. Now go out and bless somebody else with what you've heard, and please share this with people so that they can hear it as well. So in Jesus' name, I want to say this prayer and close. Father, I thank you so much that you've given me the opportunity to go on the griot and talk, to rap to your people, your people and people who aren't yours yet about you. And I pray, Father, that somebody, even one person who will hear this podcast, their life will be changed and they will change other people's lives by telling them. I pray, Father, that you will see us. And I call upon, I pray that we will repent and turn from our wicked ways and call on your name because there is no other name we can be saved under and there is no other one who can, who can help us except for you, Lord. I pray you will bless this podcast and all will hear it wherever they be and make their ears attentive, Father, and their hearts receptive. All this I pray in Jesus' name, and I thank you. Amen. 
Shalom, everybody. Bye. Hello, everyone. Greetings and welcome back to the Grio with Debbie. I hope that while you are in quarantine, you're finding some very innovative and creative things to do. Uh, This time is definitely not uh, to be taken lightly. God is speaking to us and we need to be in a position where we can better hear him. I hope you're doing that today. Well, speaking of God speaking to us during this quarantine and this virus, um, I want to share with you today some thoughts on an insect called the praying mantis. Now, this, this is an unusual situation, so I need to start at the very beginning and tell you what happened. Well, back in September of 2019, I began to have some hearing problems in my right ear. I began to hear distorted sounds or when my husband would speak in his normal tone of voice, I would, um, I would feel a buzzing in my ear. It would actually hurt. And I had to turn the TV down. I had to turn things down. But the weirdest thing about all of this was when I would talk and hear my voice in one pitch talking and then my voice in another pitch talking. It was only, it was almost like there was like this harmonic thing going on in my right right ear. And it was really strange. So after this was going on for a while, I thought it best to go see my my ENT specialist and find out if there was something serious going on with that ear. So um, he examined it and told me everything looked normal, but he thought that I needed to have a hearing test. So I had the hearing test that very day. And... Um, I was told that I had a hearing loss in my right ear. And I was really surprised to hear that because my ear, my ears have been really good. I could hear the tiniest sounds and um, I, I just was shocked. It was, it was like it came down on me so suddenly. So um, the audiologist told me that the doctor would, you know, after he looked at all the information, he would um, get back to me and let me know the results of his findings. So anyway, um, I had asked her about some special earbuds or ear plugs, I should say, that I could put in my ears because I was a day, a couple of days after that, I was traveling to Indianapolis by plane. And I was really, really concerned about that ear because in my previous travels, um, especially those more, more recently, I had, um, been experiencing some really bad ear popping while flying and this ear was already giving me trouble so she said yeah I could go buy something called ear planes and they were special earbuds or ear plugs that you wear while you're flying to eliminate some of that some of that popping well the very next day the ENT himself called me a couple of times um, on my home phone and then called me on my cell phone to let me know that he believed or suspected that I had a tumor in my brain. And um, he was saying that, you know, 
Um, he, he, it was also it could be genetic, the kind of tumor that he thought that I had, and he thought that I should um, have an MRI as, as when I got back from my trip. So I scheduled that, and I, when I, I flew down to Indianapolis that week, uh, flew to Indianapolis, and um, uh, when I uh, the ear the airplanes worked really well on the plane, and when I got to the conference. I noticed that my ear wasn't doing this anymore. It wasn't buzzing or popping or, you know, um, having this harmony and this distorted sounds coming through it. Um, and I was, I, I, I realized, I said, you know, maybe God healed me. Maybe he healed me. Because the whole two days I was at that conference, I didn't have this happening anymore. And so when I flew home and arrived at the airport. My husband picked me up in my car and my car had been stored in our garage and it had been closed and all that. Well, when I went to get in the passenger seat of my car, I saw this huge praying mantis, huge praying mantis on my side. And um, before I sat down, I had to get him out of there because when I was a child, our parents told me, my parents told me that praying mantises would spit tobacco in your eye if you got close to them. And, you know, being children, we believed that. So we avoided them. And I guess I probably avoided the few that I saw ever since. And so um, I got him out of the car and I kept thinking about this praying mantis. He was huge. He was on my side of the car. How did he get in there when the car was locked in, in, in the garage? Um, and, you know, it was just a lot of questions going through my mind. And as usual, just like my book, From Weeds to Wisdom, which is about seeing God in the everyday, ordinary things of life um, or extracting spiritual lessons from the unlikely, you know, my mind began to, to you know, just to, to really start thinking about all this. And so I decided that I would do a an investigation of praying mantises and what I could reap from that. What what was God saying to me about that, you know, with the praying mantis being in my car? And so I wanted to share with you today um, some thoughts about the praying mantis and, you know, how God used an insect to teach me some spiritual lessons. First of all, praying mantises are symbols of stillness. As such, they are ambassadors from the animal kingdom, giving testimony to the benefit of meditation and calming our minds. Um, An appearance from the praying mantis is a message to be still and go within and meditate. Get quiet and reach a place of calm. Now, I had that calm and peace when I returned from the conference. And interestingly enough, the very next day that after I arrived home, I arrived on a Sunday, that Monday, uh, the doctor's office called and said that my MRI was normal. Now, I believe there was something there. I could feel something um, around my ear. And with my brother having had a brain tumor back in the 90s, the same kind that the doctor thought I had, um, that brain tumor, when they removed it, and the way, how it was positioned and, 
and how they had to get it out, it caused my brother to go deaf in that one ear. And it was his right ear as well. Um, But they said there was nothing there. And I believe, I really truly believe that there was something there. But God moved it. He removed it from my body. Also, the praying mantis has a triangular head. And when I learned that, I thought about the Holy Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it reminded me that Emmanuel means God with us, or God is with us. And his three persons of the Holy Trinity were with me the entire time. With me when I had that hearing issue, and with me when I was at that conference, calming me and and letting me know that healing was on the horizon. Praying mantises symbolize peace and mindfulness. And every move that that praying mantis makes is intentional and is thought out carefully. They also symbolize patience, awareness, intuition, and creativity. Wow. They move elegantly in their posture. And the folding of their forearms makes them look like they are praying. And that's how they got their name. They are symbolic of truth, peace, and calm. And they are very powerful um, spirit animals. Praying mantises never make mistakes. And they always think well before making any more movements. So seeing this praying mantis in my car was to me a personal message from God that he never fails and he never makes mistakes. He's, it's always a win-win with him. And when one sees a praying mantis, it may be a reminder to take some time and to think well about our life and our next steps in life. No pressure from anyone but to, but to do things when we feel ready to do them and as the Spirit of God leads us. Hmm. So the praying man is being in a praying position or looking like it's in a praying position was huge. I always knew they were in a praying position, but I never really thought about it a whole lot until this incident. That the prayers of the saints, that when I was at that conference and we were in the groups and I was with another young lady and I shared the thing about my ear with her and the praying that went on. God was listening, and he was showing me through this praying mantis that the prayers of the saints were being heard. Also, praying mantises spend a lot of time thinking about how they will obtain their food. They don't just go out and get food. They give it a lot of thought. They use their periods of stillness to make important decisions and strategies. And they use more time being in stillness than actually hunting for their prey. Wow, that's something that we can gain some um, knowledge from, that we can learn that we don't always have to be running or rushing to do things. And sometimes I have to admit, I have always been one of these people that when I have something on my mind to do or get done or when I want my husband to do something, a project for me, I want it done now. You know, it's like now, yesterday, and I'm 
rushing to have that done, you know, and learning from this praying madness that, you know, we need to take time thinking more about things than we do. And, and I, I think, you know, like these projects that my husband's doing and things like that, that's a small example, but when really we need to be thinking about, you know, if, if God is telling us to do something, if God wants us to do something, um, he may not want us to do it right now. He may want us to think, and I'll give you a good example of that. Two and a half years ago, I was, God had given me the idea to do these podcasts. Um, I had talked it over with a friend of mine and she gave me some, some good pointers. And I thought that this was supposed to be something that I was supposed to do like then. And you know, time went on and I felt like I, I was dragging my feet. I was even getting, you know, feeling ashamed that I hadn't done what God had put on my heart to do. And um, months went by, years went by. And actually, this is 2020 now, March 2020. But this coming fall, I believe it's October, was act, would actually be three years that um, I first got this idea by hearing God tell me uh, that I need to do these these podcasts. And um, I talked about it. I thought about it. I collected material. I have all kinds of things that I want to share with you, stacks and stacks of things. And yet I kept thinking to myself, why, why, why am I not doing this? Why am I not actually doing it? And, you know, thinking about this praying mantis, you know, they don't go out and just do things right away. They wait. They pause. They they let they cruise control themselves. And there's a song I wrote called Cruise Control, which is about us letting God cruise control us. And it it you know, one of the verses is is like um um well the chorus is Cruise, 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 control me, Lord. Just set me where you want me to be. Cruise, 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 control me, Lord. Just set the pace you want for me. For I'm at my best when I give up control. So, Lord, just push the button on my soul. Cause I'm long overdue. Yes, I'm long overdue. I need the master's cruise control. And this song I wrote um, years ago, uh, it has several verses to it. And that's the chorus. And it's really saying, you know, just like we cruise control our cars when we want to go at a certain speed. You know, I know I do it on I-95 or places like that when I don't want to get pulled over and get a ticket. I'll set it at that speed. And sometimes we need God to do that for us. So this praying mantis was a beautiful illustration or analogy of how this insect puts itself on pause, takes time to meditate, takes time to think carefully and plan before it acts. And it reminds me of the scripture in in Jeremiah 6.16 where the Lord told the Israelites stand at the crossroads and listen. I'm sorry, let me do that again. Stand at the crossroads and look and see and ask where the ancient paths are and ask where the good way is so you can be led and you will find rest, peace unto your soul.
Many times we need to stand at that crossroads and look and ask and then and obey God before we act. And sometimes, you know, our timing is not always God's timing. You know, when he told me to do this podcast, that was three years ago, but now seems to be the best time for it. For it. My friend who I had shared my intentions with about the podcast said to me recently, this is the time God wanted you to do it. People are home, they're quarantined, and so, you know, they're more apt to be poised to listen to these podcasts. So that was a great lesson from that praying mantis. Another thing about praying mantises are they're mindful. They, they never make a move before knowing that it is their best option for them. They think carefully about what they're about to do before they do it. And it reminds me that I need to think well before I make a decision. I don't need to, you know, rush into a decision. I need to prayerfully consider that decision. Ask the Lord, what is it you want me to do? Show me, Lord. And sometimes decisions are like, I always say they're like the Red Sea or the Jordan Sea. The Red Sea... In the Red Sea crossing, God God parted the waters before the Israelites went across the dry land. They had to wait for him to part the waters first. And sometimes decisions are like that. We have to wait for God to show us what we should do. And then there are decisions that are made that are similar to the Jordan River. The Jordan River... Before they, um, they crossed over, God told them that they had to, the high priest had to step into the water first. And in order for the, the, the waters to be parted, they had to step in so they could walk across. And so the high priest did that. So some decisions we have to just like, um, if we don't feel like God is giving us an answer, we have to step out and do it and then see what he says to us then. So remember that. And praying mantises do that. And it reminds me of the scripture in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Another wonderful thing about the praying mantis is it's very intelligent. They are some of the most intelligent insects in the world and they have the ability to hunt other insects and never show fear. And that reminded me of Deuteronomy 31.8 where it says, where God was talking to the Israelites and he said, it is the Lord who doth go before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor fail you. Fear not, neither be dismayed. And we shouldn't be dismayed or have fear knowing that God has is already going where we're going. We are following him as he makes the path for us to move forward. Praying mantises are also intentional. They always have their intentions and there's nothing that can stop them from doing what it wants to do. This usually has to do with hunting its prey. So I take away from this that I should have clear intentions and focus on what goals God has for me And I can only do this by being still and listening to God. Reminds me of Habakkuk 2.20 when he says, it says, 
the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Also, um, the praying mantis is a satisfied insect. Um, They are very fulfilled and very satisfied when they have caught their prey. They feel a, a sense of great sense of satisfaction. However, they want to improve their technique for the next hunt. They don't just rest on their laurels and say, you know what? That was pretty good what I just did and how I, you know, I came up with this ingenious idea of how to trap my and catch my 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 prey. Um God will give us a sense of satisfaction when we have done something for him successfully. But we also do not need to be resting on our laurels of what happened yesterday or last year, how successful we were with this or that. But we need to strive to do better the next time using all the knowledge that we've acquired beforehand so that we can do it better in the future. Paul said in Philippians 4.12 and 14, and I quote this to you, read this from the Bible. He says, excuse me, he says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may hold, lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so even Paul was saying, you know, I don't look, I'm not going to look back on what I did, but my focus is going to be what's ahead and how I can do it better and how I can reach for God. You know, my goal is to do that. Another thing about um, praying mantises is that they only work during the day. They are what they call diurnal creatures. They, you know, they worked on the day and they rest at night. So what can we learn from that? And I was thinking of John 3, uh, John 9, 3 and 4, and it says, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So, you know, this is daytime right now. We work while we can, while we're alive and while things, you know, life is running its course. But there will come a day when we will leave this earth through death or the rapture, when our work will be over. And I don't know about you, but I want to be able to stand unashamed before the living God and hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So this biblical reference today is now, is now, because when night comes, there is not going to be any opportunity to do that work. Also, praying mantises are natural insecticides for farmers and gardeners. 
they go in and eat up the insects and actually help to protect the products, the, the produce, you know, the the um, the vegetables and things that are being that are growing there. We also can be spiritual insects in the landscape of the world. When we read Ephesians six, we read. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Also, when um, praying mantises are threatened by predators, The praying mantis will stand tall with an open mouth, fanning wings, and spreads out its forelegs to look bigger than its actual size in order to scare their opponents. Wow. So what I take from this is that the the praying mantis is not going to run from the predator, but it's going to stand still like Jesus, like God told you know, Moses, when they were about to cross the Red Sea, before the Red Sea was parted and they were freaking out, he said to them, stand still and see the mighty Lord's salvation. Stand still for the Lord will fight for you, he said to Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20. And one of the things we can say this, I'm short in stature, I'm only 4'11". But with Jesus and God's word, I can stand up to any adversity by the power of Christ who rests on me. And I think about Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There is no limit to what I can do because of my size. It's because of the power of Christ in me. The praying mantis only has one ear and uses ultrasonic frequencies that bats use. So I can use my spiritual ears like Samuel did in 1 Samuel 3.10. He said, speak almighty for your servant is listening. We need to listen. We need to invite God to speak to us. And then we need to ask him to teach us to hear him and to discern what he's saying to us. And um, praying mantises can also camouflage themselves from their prey. And we can um, camouflage ourselves. I always call it a sort of a kind of camouflage. I always said that I was a music teacher. I was a Christian disguised as a music teacher. Um, All of us, if we have a profession or whatever we do, we are that. We are Christian. If we are in Christ, we are Christians first, and then we are what our profession is next. So I used to always go around and say, and that doesn't mean, you know, I'm not saying I was an undercover Christian, not at all. I did a lot of things as a teacher that I should have been fired for because I was breaking the law by telling the kids about the Lord all the time in my classroom, reading scriptures to them and having discussions with them, doing Christian music at Christmas time and whatnot. Uh, when I was told not to do it. So it, it was not, definitely was undercover. I am saying that I was a Christian disguised as a music teacher. I want you to think about that. 
Also, the praying mantis has martial arts moves. Um, That's incredible. They have martial arts moves. And we can have martial art moves too when we do, um, when we use the word of God against, you know, our our, um, enemies or the enemy of the Lord. And I'm thinking about um, the the scripture that says, uh, we pull down strongholds and anything We destroy arguments and every opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, if those are not karate moves, I don't know what they are. Uh, But we have those moves, too, through the scriptures. Praying mantis have great vision. They see in 3D. And we see in 3D too. Our 3D is called the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who guides us on the path of life. Also, uh, praying mantis have good ears uh, too. And we can be like Job and say, you know, in Job 42, 5, it says, my ears have heard of you but now my eyes see you. And so we hear and see God. So I, uh, I hope these um, praying mantis lessons will help you. And there are a couple more I want to um, just say real briefly. Uh, praying mantis can jump with ex- extreme precision contorting their bodies mid-air to land on a specific target. Now, we couldn't do, we can't do that. And that's why we need Jesus because we can't be that precise in our living. But we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, who, when we sin, and sin means to miss the mark, when we miss that mark, Jesus has a perfect batting average and he stands before the Father and defends us. Thank you, Jesus. Praying mantis only eat live food and the word of God is living and active. And Hebrews 4.12 tells us that. And my last thing that I would like to share with you about praying mantis is that they battle with bats and as I studied bats and looked up what do do bats symbolize in the scriptures and bats are only mentioned like three times in the whole bible uh, two times they were they were um, mentioned that the Israelites were not to eat them and um, they were an unclean food <clears throat> and it's interesting that we are learning that this virus this coronavirus is coming from originating from bats and caves that you know mingle with other other different animals and somehow got infected them and have spread to humans and as I studied bats and what what they symbolize in the Bible I found that they symbolize darkness and we don't want definitely don't um, we want to be like the 
the praying mantis, we want to battle darkness and be light in this world that we live in. And so I hope that you've gained some some uh, lessons from the praying mantis as I did. And, you know, my, my whole, my whole um, philosophy is that, you know, we can always learn the spiritual from the physical. We can learn spiritual analogies from the everyday things in life, from weeds, from a toilet. And I know you're saying toilet. Well, there's a piece in my book about toilets. I'll share that with you in a future podcast. But I hope that you are well. I hope this lesson blessed you. I hope that you will begin to think about the Lord and and the everyday things that you come in contact with and look a little more deeply than you, you have been looking. Stay well. God be with you. I love you guys. And until the next podcast, Shalom.